Thanks for tuning into the East Main Sports Podcast tonight, where we'll be talking about the regional final football games that were played this past weekend and the state final games that will be played this coming weekend. Please follow Eastern Main Sports on Facebook and Instagram at Eastern Main Sports and Twitter at Eastern ME Sports. Tonight we're going to talk about the regional final football games that were played this past weekend and the state games that will be played this coming weekend. My name is Mark Callum. Thanks for tuning in for Eastern Main Sports Podcast. Tonight I got... Chris Lesnar, Bob Beatham, and Andrew Hart joining me. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. And um, Andrew, um, uh, Bob and Chris and I have kind of regulars here. Andrew um, runs the main high school football website. Uh, he can give us a lot of lot of input on uh, kind of what's going on down in the south. And let's start with that, Andrew. Uh, let's start with the uh, Class A uh, Class A South. Uh, Thornton really was impressive uh, this past weekend, weren't they? They certainly were. Um, Thornton Academy, it's been pretty much their um, conference as far as I'm concerned out of the South. They, you know, they've been playing just lights out on offense. Kobe Gaudet's key continues on that lineage of really solid golden Trojans quarterbacks. And if you are looking for probably one of the best fire plug running backs in the entire state, look no farther than Anthony Bracamontine. Um, in the game alone against Scarborough, he racked up 300 rushing yards, got three touchdowns, and also returned a kickoff for the touchdown, too. Very impressive there. Um, let's go into Class A North. Bob, you, this might have been the game of the weekend. Um, you were at that, at that game on Friday. You were there, too, right, Andrew? Friday night? Uh, to it as best I could. So, um, phenomenal game. That, from an observer standpoint, phenomenal. Bob, what did, what did you see there? Um, you know, kudos to Portland. Uh, they kind of been the favorites all year, but Oxford Hills, uh, kind of a crushing way to end the season for them, weren't it? Oh, no question. Uh, getting uh, Portland getting the ball first in overtime, third and seven. Zach Elowich busts up the middle, scores a touchdown. They kick the extra point, go up 21-14. Then Oxford Hills, uh, first play from scrimmage at the 10-yard line. Colton Carson goes around the left end, gets knocked out of bounds inside the one-yard line. And then instead of lining up under center, again, Oxford Hills runs everything out of the spread offense. They, you know, jump off sides. So now the second and goal inside the six. Um, Colton Carson looked like he ran into his own player. The Portland player uh, made a really, you know, outstanding play. He fumbles the ball. Portland recovers game over. Uh, I thought for the most part, and I don't know how you felt, Andrew, but I thought Oxford Hills really outplayed Portland for a good part of the ball game. Uh, one of the things that uh, Portland was real successful with when they played at Oxford Hills, they ran that toss play to Elowich and he got to the outside. Oxford Hills did a really nice job taking that away Friday night. Really, Portland had two big plays in the ball game, and then other than that was pretty much contained. They had an 82-yard run by Elowich in the second quarter to make it 7-7 at the time. And then um, Jamal Marima uh, got a uh, 63-yard score to tie it in the fourth quarter. Uh, but, you know, it's certainly a crushing loss for Oxford Hills because I thought, for the most part, really, you know, outplayed Portland in that ball game. But, again, Portland's got tough, gritty kids, and they made the big plays uh, when they had to and are moving on to play on Saturday. Yeah, Andrew, and just a crushing way. Were you down on the field and seeing that, Andrew? 
that I wasn't, but, you know, um, going to what Bob said, I thought too that Oxford Hills really took control of much of the game. And I think that if it wasn't for a couple key moments, like the, um, you know, early on, Portland getting that touchdown from Zach, um, you know, the whole thing that started it was Ben Stasium's interception. That was really the catalyst that began the whole series. If that interception doesn't happen, maybe Oxford Hills drives down the length of the field. If they put two scores up on Portland and they can take that into halftime, who knows how this game could have ended because you're then putting Portland on a back footing. And it seemed like while Oxford Hills really carried the play throughout much of the game. I think that as the the rest of the game really kind of kept going, Portland seemed to get more and more confident right away. Right, yeah, and that, so um, that should be interesting. We'll talk a little bit more about the, the Portland-Thornton uh, game here in a little bit. But let's move on to uh, Class B where uh, – uh, Marshwood and Kennebunk again went at it, uh, kind of who everybody expected to be there all season. Um, Marshwood pulled it out, and uh, kind of they didn't get really get a lot of respect. Uh, a lot of people in our predictions didn't pick them, and but I mean, a lot of people thought it could go either way, but uh, really, Marshwood uh, was kind of the slight underdog there, and they pulled it off, didn't they, Andrew? They absolutely did. You know, you've got two teams that have gone back and forth since um, so really going back to 2013 when they got put back into the um, back into the same conference when the four classes um, took effect. And it's, you know, you've got five wins going to Marshwood. You've got five wins going to Kennebunk. And as I mentioned last night on my piece, the last five games alone have all been decided by less than a touchdown. And that's not just a testament to the phenomenal kids that really the Kennebunk community and the South Berwick community have been putting together, but also the coaches. Um, you know, you look at Marshwood. Um, I can't say enough positive things about Alex Rotsko. I think that he doesn't get some of the attention in the state that he does for what he's been able to put together for a quality team. You know, you got to remember before Alex took over, Marshwood really wasn't um, a top contender. They may make the playoffs back in the old Western A, where eight out of 16, 16 teams got in, but since he's made the move up here from Longmeadow in Massachusetts, his teams have been, if not top of the table, they've been pretty close in there. And they've won state championships even when they haven't gone all the way. And then meanwhile, you know, Joe Rafferty over in Kennebunk, 40 years, he's truly the elder statesman here in Maine. He gets the respect from this community. You don't see kids having, you don't see the programs having any problems with them. He knows how to get the best out of it. And this was a year where he put some phenomenal kids out there and he got the best out of them as well. So on paper, this was, in my opinion, probably one of the best matches. If you ever wanted to showcase high school football in Maine, this would have been the perfect, this would have been exhibit A. And I know, uh, Bob, you saw the first time those two two teams met and kind of went as, as kind of expected, at least at least the competitive-wise, huh? Oh, no question. I thought, you know, coming in, you know, away from that contest, Kennebunk might have had a few more weapons than Marshwood. But, again, they were 1A, you know, 1 and 1A in, in Southern Maine. I thought Kennebunk might win that game Saturday, but, again, I'm certainly not shocked that, Marshwood's going on to play state championship. Uh, and again, I thought what, you know, again, what Andrew alluded to, just, you know, a great showcase for high school football. 
uh, two really, you know, outstanding class programs. Uh, you don't see an awful lot of, you know, false bravado from either one of these teams. They both, uh, you know, line it up, you know, play very hard. You don't see a lot of, you don't see a lot of trash talk. You don't see a lot of um, showmanship by, you know, both teams play very well as a team and uh, just, just, uh, again, great testament to high school football. And that was, you know, just a, a joy to be at that game of the regular season uh, when, you know, Kennebunk got the last second field goal to win it. It was just, just an outstanding high school football game. And, and I'm sure the same thing uh, took place on Saturday. Yeah. You know, when you look at that game, they're really, the only difference was that um, Trevor Chase blocking an extra point by Kennebunk's Ryan Connors. That yeah. was your difference, a blocked extra point during the mid stages of the game. So that's, you know, that just goes to, to, to the credit of both these teams of what the difference was a blocked extra point could have been a missed extra point could have been a missed two point conversion too. Yeah, if they played, they played fifty times. It'd probably go twenty-five, twenty-five, right? I would definitely say so. Absolutely. Uh, um, let's go to uh, uh, Brun- Brunswick and Class B uh, North. Um, it was kind of a very competitive Class B North um, all season. There was any one of those top four teams uh, we thought could come out of it, and Brunswick came came out yet again. Um, not not really surprised, but uh, but just a, and again, what a program they are, huh, Bob? Yeah, absolutely. Again, this is going to be uh, another state championship appearance um, for Brunswick. And again, they've uh, certainly been there a lot. Uh, this will be their uh, third meeting with March in the last four years. Um, again, Brunswick's won the previous uh, meetings. Uh, but again, this will be their uh, third time they've played March in the last four years and certainly, you know, an outstanding program. I uh, have not seen them in a couple of years, so they're a little bit of a mystery to me. Um, so, uh, Andrew, you got any like feedback from, on the, from your page on that game and, uh, kind of got any ins- insight on, uh, the Brunswick, uh, Lawrence game? I, you know, Lawrence came in with a lot of momentum, you know, them coming in, coming into their game where they knocked off Skowhegan, you know, and not just knock them off. I mean, they absolutely pushed them off the perch and then ran backed over them a few times. And Skowhegan was probably one of the top passing teams that you're ever going to see in this state right there between Marcus Christopher at, at the helm, you know, they've figured out up there how to get those Indians teams to play this sort of pro style passing game, which you don't see a whole lot. And for, for Lawrence just to completely manhandle them was a surprise. And it was kind of a disappointment to see that because um, when we first started covering football, Lawrence was in Eastern Class A, really the cream of the crop that you were seeing up there. Um, you know, they were getting these phenomenal kids that were just absolute beasts behind the ball. And unfortunately, they because they they didn't really get a chance to break through against their their Western Maine counterparts. I don't think that they got a lot of the attention that they deserved. Um, you know, that being said. Hats off to Brunswick, um, Dan Cooper's kids. They play this sort of back. They play a very deep backfield that, 
you come in against them, you better bring your lunch pail. You better better bring your 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 breakfast. You better bring your supper and everything in between because they're going to challenge you every single game. And it's not just the first run that you got to focus on or the second run because if you don't stop those two, they're going to come at you again and they're going to keep hitting you until they drive it home. And eventually, it's just that kind of battle of attrition that eventually will wear you out. And I think that's where. Um, that's where Brunswick kind of came through in their game. Yeah, and they've had a big turnover in players here in the last couple of years. I mean, it's not like they have the same players going, you know, they, they, he's winning with the same players. It just, I believe it's a whole new group from a few years ago, isn't it? It is. And, you know, when you look back to last year, that was the same sort of team that they came into the season, if I remember right, an eight seed. They weren't, you know, they came in as an eight seed. They upset their opening round game. Um, nobody gave them really much of a chance. They came into the semifinals. They, um, I think if if I remember right, that was another close-fought battle against Lawrence. I'm kind of scrolling through my notes here to see what I've got. Um, you know, it was um, oh, they lost to Lawrence 12 to 17. So you got to think that the kids, you know, those sophomores, those juniors on that team, kind of looked against what they could have put together against Lawrence, and I'm sure, I'm sure a little bit of that kind of played into them, you know, coming out with a def, probably a chip on their shoulder, you know, wanting to right last year's wrong. You know about it in Class C. We got some good stories in Class C. We we certainly do that. Um, let's start in the South where Freiburg defeated Levitt, and when they they did it for a second time, they they really earned their way there. Uh, quite a quite a performance um, to beat a Levitt team once, and they they did it twice in in the most important game of them all on uh, Saturday night. And now they'll be going to the state title game. Um, quite a game, huh, Andrew? It it definitely was. If you have, do not have a rooting interest going into this weekend, and you want to find a school to get behind to kind of throw your support behind you cannot go wrong going with Freiburg Academy. And I say that because this has always been a team that's kind of, they've taken their lumps, whether it was, you know, back in the, um, the back in the seventies where they had to contend against the Marshwoods back in the eighties and nineties, where you had, you know, you had the developing mountain Valley who was coming into it. Same thing into the two thousands, you know, David Turner has done a, great just absolutely amazing job up in Freiburg getting the kids on board getting them into a cohesive unit um they are another team almost similar to Brunswick they will they will beat you with determination all day long and I think that you know you got to look at the style of defense that they brought in because Levitt wasn't exactly you know a bunch of nobodies coming in. Everybody knew what to expect out of those Levitt Hornets. Um, Wyatt Hathaway, probably one of the top quarterbacks in all of Class C. And I'm I'm sorry if I'm kind of selling a few kids short from the uh, the northern side of things, but when it comes to um, what Coach Hathaway is able to do with his kid there and everything, you know they came into the game kind of feeling confident about themselves, and unfortunately. Um, why it ended up being sent to the sidelines early when he ended up getting hurt. And that really changed the dynamics of the game. You hate to see that at the regional finals, um, you know, a kid getting hurt. This is football though. So it's just some, one of those things that's going to happen. But by the end of the game, 
Freiburg wasn't going to be denied. They knew where they they knew this was history for them and my hats off to them. And I'm going to, you know, there's no cheering on the sidelines, but you know what, if they win, I'm going to, I'm going to definitely say good for them. They deserved it. Uh, Bob, you saw, um, you saw Freiburg in the um, semifinal round and how impressed were you with them? And um, how, how surprised were you with the outcome of that game? Uh, but actually going in, I picked Levitt to win, but again, I, you know, we talked about last week too, going to the regional finals that, you know, really seven of the eight contests that, you know, if the other team won, you would be surprised. And certainly the case with Freiburg, uh, I think when they play Nicolas, it's almost going to be like they're looking across, you know, at each other and very similar opponents. Uh, Freiburg's very physical up front. Uh, again, as Andrew said, they're a lot uh, like Brunswick. They're just going to keep after you. Uh, but they're very physical. Um, they like to run a lot of spread, a lot of pistol formation as well. Um, you know, very good quarterback in the uh, Saunders, Oscar Saunders, and uh, Calvin Southwick's one of their top uh, running backs. Uh, you know, defensively, uh, Tyler Buzzle uh, is a linebacker. Uh, Reese Neisler, uh, you know, very good players uh, for them as well. So, again, um, that should be an outstanding uh, state championship game with uh, Nicolas. Yeah, let's go on to that Nakoma's Herman game. Um, all the points scored early in that one, and this may have been the first time, Bob, that uh, maybe Garrett Trask wasn't well far and beyond the best athlete on the field. Andrew H- Hannon really um, did quite a job for Nakoma's, didn't he? He absolutely did. I, you know, I thought the difference in the ball game too, uh, and again, credit to the Herman kids too. Thirteen to six ball game. Again, Herman, I think you know if you'd ask any of those kids. They did not play their best game, but they were, you know, resilient and, and hung in, gave themselves a chance to win at the end. Uh, but anytime you turn the ball over four times and lose that turnover battle like that in a championship game, you're probably not going to win. Uh, but I, I thought the real difference to that, and then also Nakoma's just a lot more balanced than uh, Herman was as well. Um, but, um, uh, they were just, you know, much more balanced. Uh, their fullback, uh, David Wilson, uh, just, you know, pounded the ball, had 23 carries, uh, about 80 yards. Uh, it was real tough. Um, and then their uh, wide receivers, uh, Chance Graves, uh, Brock Graves, uh, a Custodio kid had a few big carries, Tyler Pelletier. So, again, they looked to really distribute the ball uh, to a lot of different players. And, Her- and Herman really got – as the game went on, you know, a lot more one-dimensional. So I thought that was, you know, real key to the ball game there. Yeah, and uh, you know, Andrew, going to be two two great stories there. You said, um, you know, said that about the Freiburg team. If you, you know, just pick one team to root for up here in the north, um, you know, kind of people looking at Nakomas uh, that way. Uh, two two weeks ago, Bob and I were talking about them winning the first ever playoff game, and now now they're going to be playing at Fitzpatrick Stadium on Saturday afternoon. You couldn't go wrong cheering on either one of these teams. Um, both have, both in my opinion, have overcome an awful lot of adversity, both with where the team is at and their level of competition. Um, Freiburg has always had somebody, you know, a couple teams just pounding ahead of them that really kind of made it difficult for them to break forward. And finally, you know, it was the right collection of kids that came forward under the right sort of circumstances. Um, I mentioned in my piece last night, Freiburg did something that no other main team did this year, and they only allowed single-digit points in nine of their games. Nobody even came close to that mark, not even – 
you know, not Thornton, not Thornton Academy back in class A, not Wells. So, you know, amazing sort of effort, but you know what, that's not to take, I'm not going to take anything away from Nokomis either. You know, this is a team that I don't think a lot of people really gave a chance coming into the playoffs. I think people kind of said, uh, Warriors, it'll be just like last year. Cause correct me if I'm wrong. They did lose their, they were the higher seed last year, but they lost their opening game. Right. Correct. Right. Okay. So I think coming in here, everybody was kind of looking at them saying, Oh, you know, opening, opening round lumps. They're still kind of feeling their oats, you know, let's see what they can do against Madomic Valley who they were, you know, kind of another developing team. They came out, beat the Panthers. I think people kind of looked at it as, eh, you know, it's, they beat the Panthers. So what, you know, I mean, I think people are expecting that. Then they came up and it was like, okay, well, you know, here's their wall. They're coming up against main central Institute. Those guys, you know, absolutely mauled Belfast. Let's, you know, this is, you know, this is kind of their, their stopping point. This is where they're going to hit the wall. And what do the weight warriors do? They add, they blank, the defending, you know, Class C state champion, 13 to nothing. And then they came in and it was almost like, you know, you know, Herman Garrett Trask is, you know, I mentioned about Wyatt Hathaway being one of the top quarterbacks in Class C. You know what? I think you could just as easily throw Garrett Trask in there as well. Maybe 1A, 1B, or a very, very close runner-up. And when you look at the stat line, I thought it was really interesting that, you know, Garrett basically tried to carry the team on his back. They he he runs for 179 yards out of 192 total yards of Hawk offense. And Nokomis, yeah, they got out possessed by him, but you know what? It didn't matter because on the day like that, their defense was built for those sort of war in the trenches, bend but don't break. We're gonna take what you get, we're gonna absorb everything you throw at us, and by the end of the game, you're not gonna push us off this line. And that's, uh, that's uh, exactly what happened, and uh, kudos to Nokomis and Freiburg. Let's move on to Class D. Well, let's start with the South, where uh, this was the one game where we would have been really surprised if it went the opposite way of um, our predictions, and it didn't. Uh, Wells um, came in there, and they, they did what everybody expected them to do, and um, they continued to roll, and uh, this time it was over Oak Hill. Hi, huh, Andrew? Oak Hill, you know, they came in two games that they they won out in overtime, vastly different situations they on it when they were playing lisbon back in the quarterfinals it was a messy messy sort of game they didn't allow anything from the greyhounds to really go forward and this that was a game that the greyhounds really should have just pushed them all over the place but the wet weather the muddy weather was kind of that great equalizer oak hill was just the better team in overtime um, I know there is a little bit of controversy regarding a penalty. There's some video that floated around. You look at the, the video, it was pretty clear that there, was, um, there wasn't enough men on the line. That's what really nabbed it. I know it's a tough way to go, but you play by the rules, you either win by them or you lose by them. Then Oak Hill comes into their next round game against uh, Madison Karabak. Again, people were, I think a lot of people kind of looked at Madison as just really they were going to run up the points. They had a good defense for being a fairly small team. But again, Oak Hill goes into overtime. And what ends up deciding the play was a stopped two point conversion. So Oak Hill had to be on top of the world. They had to think maybe they stood a chance. And you know what? 
when you're an undefeated team for this long, eventually somebody comes up that just absolutely scares the bejesus out of you for no good reason, other than the fact that it's your time, it's due. I remember year, a couple years ago, it was that opinion about Chevrolet. Chevrolet was on top of the world. They came into the, um, I think it was the night, the 2013 Western A finals. They were, you know, flying high and along came Thornton Academy and knocked them right over. So I think Wells may have had that opinion, but once the game really got underway there, it was almost one of those, um, you know, it wasn't, that certainly wasn't the case. You know, Tim Roach is, has put together a system that is just dominating, just absolutely dominating. You've got teams that he's put together some teams that have just absolutely flat, you know, flat rolled everybody. And with Tyler bridge, probably one of the best running backs you're going to see in the state right now. He's not going to get the attention really that he should deserve because he's class D, but I think you take him, you put him on almost any other team. He is just going to absolutely destroy opponents. And by the end, I think it was halftime. They were up. um, I'm looking through my notes here by halftime. They were just basically doing more of the same against Oak Hill. So while the end score was about what we expected, I don't think it, it seemed like it was almost in doubt for a moment until the games until the game kind of got underway. And um, in the Class D uh, North game, actually, three of us were there. Uh, Chris and I broadcast the game on WHOU, and Bob was at the game. Um, I've seen Foxcraft the last three weeks, and they've they've improved each week. Um, you know, so they they might be peaking at the right time, huh, Bob? Oh, I, absolutely. Yeah. Again, we both saw them over at Dexter the last game of the year. We thought to ourselves, geez, if they, this team comes out of the north, um, could be a repeat of what happened last year, you know, down in Portland. Um, again, I obviously, I think, you know, Wells certainly the heavy favorite going to the state championship. But, but I think Foxcroft Academy does have some things going for them uh, going into this game Friday night. They certainly do, and uh, uh, a few of those things, uh, Matthew Spooner, uh, Michaela Niles, Jeremy Richard, uh, they're all impressive, weren't they, Chris, the other night? <clears throat> yeah, they certainly were. They've uh, been impressed with Foxcroft the last couple of weeks. They uh, definitely look good with that two- or three-headed monster out of the backfield there. Um, Spooner just really took advantage of running the option the other night, whether he hand it off or take it himself, and he had a long touchdown run. And then um, I thought really the key of the game was – just really Foxcroft's defense stepped up and made a few stops, but Foxcroft's offense was just, uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of improvement there. Definitely. Even since the game uh, we did against Washington Academy, uh, I thought they'd made a lot of improvements. I think maybe they, they might've punted the ball once or twice the whole night. If I, if I remember right. Mark. Yeah, I don't know. That, that, they, and they, they played very well. And as you said, the defense came up with a stop and, uh, um, you know, Andrews. So one thing for sure, obviously Wells comes into the game favorite, but one thing we know about Foxcroft is um, if they lose, it won't be because they're not prepared. That coaching staff will have them ready, won't they? Definitely. You know, this is you know, Foxcroft really isn't going to get the attention because of some of their losses. But if you look back on just how dominant they have been in their own conference overall, you know, I believe it's they're at 19 victories, I think maybe 20 after this time in, in the Little Ten Conference. And that goes back to before they got bumped up to Class C and now that they got placed, you know, where they should be back in Class D. Um, 
you know, this is a team that um, that Danny Rosa, Danny, yeah, Danny White has these guys ready to go. And being one of the smaller schools, um, you you know, you think that eventually they would have a down year, but they don't have a down year. They reload with such an amazing intensity every single year that you may wonder if this must be a bigger community or something to that effect, because there's got to be there's got to be a point where this where this community eventually just kind of has, you know, a, a 500 year. And you don't see that, you know, no. every year they they find kids and they put them in the best positions to play and to win. Yeah, next next year will be interesting. They do have a lot of a lot of seniors, but as you said, they they have they have had that before, and they just they just re- reload, you know. And uh, you know, Bucksport's a team that put up seventy seven points just five days before that, and uh, you know, Foxcroft held them to twenty six. They're, they're only averaging, they're only allowing a little under under nine points per game. So um, their their offense gets all the attention, but the defense can play too. And um, you know, be interesting to see that game game Friday night. Um, you know, let's let's uh, go ahead and preview the uh, state championship matchup. We're going to start in Class A, Bob, where uh, uh, Portland and uh, Portland and Thornton. What do you what do you think is going to happen there? Yeah, I think Portland. I I really see Portland hanging around for a while. Again, Portland's just got tough, gritty kids, and Jim Hartman does a hell of a job, you know, coaching them, and they're going to compete. I, you know, last year's you know state final at Class A. Scarborough beat Wyndham 57 to nothing. I don't see anything, you know, close to anything resembling uh, that this Saturday. Real key for Portland, they have to win first down. Uh, that's something they really didn't do Friday night against Oxford Hills. If they get into, say, second and eight or longer or third down and long, those types of situations where they, you know, they're forced to have to throw the football, uh, they that game could really get out of control in a hurry for for Portland, they've got to get four or five yards on first down and do similar what they did in the game at Oxford Hills, you know, get those eight or nine minute drives. And then also when they finish drives, have to be able to put points on the scoreboard. If not, that game could really get out of um, hand for uh, Portland in a hurry on Saturday. Andrew, do you, you see that much different than the last year's Class A state game? I think that. I mean, Portland head and shoulders better than Wyndham. So you're going to see Portland be putting up a far better fight. Thornton Academy, though, is just dominant. You know, they're averaging 50 points a game with every single game they're playing. And that's not to say that they're going to run over Portland. But I think if Thornton plays their game, you know, gold ball champion. Now, if I had to say one thing that port that could change that outcome is if you looked at this Saturday's game between Scarborough and Thornton Academy, Thornton Academy came out strong. Scarborough hung with them for parts of the third quarter until the mistakes started piling up. So Jim Hartman, coach of Portland, needs to keep his team mentally tough, mentally focused, because when you play a team like Scarborough, they're going to find a way to break open a big play, and you have to be prepared. You know, they, third quarter, part of what led to that breakdown is they go out, they score a touchdown. What do they do on the opening kick? They do a squid kick. They recover their own onside kick on the in the third quarter, and they get a touchdown after that. That's boom, two quick touchdowns right there. So Jim needs to tell his kids, you're going to have to be playing at 100% every down, 
all the downs. And if they can do that, maybe they can maybe they can kind of intimidate Thornton Academy. Maybe they can kind of put that fear in their mind for a moment of, oh, geez, I need to think about this. I need to be careful. I need to worry and take their kids' minds off of what they're doing for just one split second that can maybe be enough to help turn the tide of the game. Because when you're in the state championships, sometimes momentum can be a dangerous, dangerous weapon for somebody. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, interesting. It'd be definitely interesting to see that. And I, I, you know, hoping it, hoping it's closer than last year's. Let's go to Class B, where uh, uh, Moshwood and Brunswick uh, definitely teams that know each other, right, Bob? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, they haven't played in two years, and they haven't they didn't play in the regular season the last couple of years. So, um, and again, a lot of different personnel, especially uh, for Brunswick, and really that case for Marshwood from a couple of years ago. So. Familiar, yes, in a sense, but then, it, and you know, at the same time, you know, maybe not so much. But uh, again, I think that's going to be a real war on the trenches. Uh, Marshwood across the line of scrimmage averages about 250 pounds per man across the line. So uh, certainly going to be a, a challenge for uh, Brunswick on Saturday. How do you see that one going, Andrew? Tommy Springer is going to be the key to Marshwood because as good as their backfield is with a kid like Justin Bryant, who can just absolutely bulldoze anybody in front of him, I think the Hawks need to be able to kind of keep Brunswick on their toes because Brunswick is a very tough team. When you look at their eight or seven, their seven or eight men in the box. If you try to challenge them though, Brunswick's not going to give. They're not going to be pushed around nearly as easily. So I think Marshwood, if they can kind of, if Tommy Springer can use his speed, his accuracy throwing the ball, kind of use his options, spread the team out, might be enough. Um, with the game, when you look at three peats, even though, as Bob said, it's been, you know, three years since their last, or two, two or three years since their last game. You got to think that these kids, they grew up as freshmen, as sophomores who remember the stinging defeat when they got into that state championship. You got to think that Brunswick's going to have that chip on their shoulder. And sometimes, uh, sometimes that chip can, can get you a long ways. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Looking forward to that on uh, Saturday at Fitzpatrick Stadium. Have the times officially been announced? I mean, I know we think we know what, when they have, but have they been announced? I've been keeping an eye on my emails, keeping an eye on the media. I have not seen anything mentioned. Maybe so, with a um, maybe with a holiday, they're going to notice it tomorrow. But um, yeah, uh, yeah. So maybe maybe that's why. But I mean, we think we know when they're going to be, but we'll see officially tomorrow. I, I I've been looking at my emails too, and I haven't seen it. So we'll probably find that out tomorrow morning. Got to believe it'll go ACB on Saturday. I would I would guess. I would think. So I'm inclined too. to agree. Yeah. yeah think so too and uh two teams that are definitely used to playing saturday afternoons and um this would be a game um class c game uh where if people want to see teams you know we hear all the times oh same old teams well that's definitely not the case here is it bob in class c no not at all uh interesting thing with nicomas is that they're actually uh no boys team in nicomas high school has ever played in the state championship game now you know they may have been you know sports like wrestling or cross country, those you know those types of things. We have multiple schools, though. But as far as you know, basketball, baseball, football, soccer, uh, this is the first time they've ever had a, a male uh, team at Nokomis play for a state championship. Even into the regional final, right? 
Uh, well, I think basketball got to a regional final sometime in the 1970s, but this is the first time they've ever uh, boys team at Nokomis has ever played in a state championship game in any sport. So, um, but as I mentioned earlier, they're really when the two teams look across the line from each other, it's almost a mirror image of themselves. Uh, very, very similar in their approaches uh, to the game, and I, you know, I think this will be by far if you like tough defensive low scoring football games uh this you know game will certainly you know you'll certainly enjoy on saturday i think uh, again both teams are pretty much mirror images of each other and you know just i think of the four games certainly should be the best of the uh, championship weekend um chris uh chris you saw herman play i mean uh Nicole was play against herman early early this season kind of with hannon and uh, wilson and graves they kind of got quite a trio there offensively don't they yeah, they absolutely do. I, I mean, the game I did see at Harmon, Haney did leave in the, I think it was near the end of the third quarter with an injury. So didn't get to see him play for half the third quarter and the fourth. But other than that, yes, uh, they can move the ball up and down the field. They did that against Harmon the whole game I saw, even though they did lose the game. But yeah, very impressed with Nicole missing the one time I did see them this year. Mark. Yeah, and Andrew, uh, you agree with Bob that this this would be the, uh, uh, on paper, the most competitive game of the, game of the weekend? Absolutely. Yeah, when I looked at it too. Yeah, sorry about that. That's okay. Um, yeah, I think competitive wise, if you are looking for, you know, mirror image teams play almost identical styles, similar components, similar makeup, and that sort of underdog mentality that neither team, everybody's going to look at them and saying, "You guys should not be here," but you know what? They are. You can I don't. You know, you don't, you hate to see one team lose based on just how hard both these teams work to get here. It's tough to see one team that no one team's going to go away a loser. And I know that sounds like a cop out, but I genuinely do feel that be, that way because of, you know, I, I don't know who I would pick or who I would favor in this one, but I do know whoever gets it deserves it. And no, no doubt about it. They, a team, both teams, no one expected, you know, pre, the beginning of the season to get here. And I know Freiburg got some respect when they beat Levitt during the regular season. So they kind of, you know, a team where people thought could make it, but definitely, uh, definitely underdog stories. You're, you know, both both sides there. You correct. Um, so looking forward to that. Uh, probably mid afternoon on uh, Saturday. Um, let's go to the Class D game, the game that's going to be at uh, University of Maine on uh, on Friday night. Um, uh, Foxcroft Weld. Um, if it if it does if the weather goes like they're saying, Bob, the wet field. Do you think that would help even things out a little bit? I'm not really. I mean, I think by game time, I think the field conditions should be okay. So I, I don't think that'll be that much of a factor. Uh, one thing. I mean, I think Foxcroft's got a couple of things going for it. Uh, you know, number one, you know, Wells does have to make the long trip up here. Uh, one stat though that since they've gone to four classes back in 2013. Uh, the team that's hosted at UMaine's four and one, so you know that's you know means anything Friday night. Uh, another thing too is that you know Foxcroft's got a lot of different weapons offensively. They can spread you out, and you know teams that have had a little bit of success on Wells, uh, you know Winthrop for one. Uh, they you know they have playmakers at the wide receivers, and they you know were able to score a little bit against Wells uh, this year. I I think the biggest factor though, and reason i think wells would be you know favored certainly that punishing running game and they're you know very physical along both lines you know sides of the line of scrimmage so 
Um, but I, you know, I do think you know Foxcroft's going to hang around. You know, may have an opportunity to make some big plays. May certainly have some playmakers that I think could possibly make this game interesting Friday night. Yeah, and Chris, uh, they they definitely looked uh, well prepared against Bucksport. They had a close game against Bucksport in the regular season, and uh, you, you think that that's one thing, right, Chris? That they'll have going is uh, the coaching staff will have them prepared. Yeah, they definitely will. I mean, this team's been here before and, and been big games, and, and Danny White's done a great job with Foxcroft. And they, the, that's one thing you can say about the Ponies is that they'll be ready to go when the Warriors come out on the field on Friday yeah, night. And uh, about, about this game, uh, Andrew, uh, you know, obviously uh, on paper, I mean, a lot of people look – oh, it looks like a mismatch a lot when anybody goes against Wells. But, uh, you know, what, what do you think Foxcroft can do to kind of offset that a little bit? I think for Foxcroft to have their best success is to be fully aware of the fact that Wells is primarily a run team. Wells is bread and butter is on the run. They, you see, I mean, they came into most games this year, maybe doing 20, 30 yards of passing. If that now you probably don't want to chance it by forcing Wells to pass just because you don't know what they're capable of. But the thing is, you know what you're going to get on the ground. You know what you're going to get out of Tyler Bridge. You know what you're going to get out of, um, who was their other kid? Um, I'm okay. Yep. So you know what you've got out of those two. I think your best bet if you're Foxcroft is force them to go to the air. If the conditions are going to be on the chilly side, if the conditions are going to be on the wet side, you're going to want to test those elements, make the elements work for you. I think if they can do that, if they can get Wells kind of out of their game, the rhythm of going to the run, if they can kind of make this into a trench warfare style of game, Foxcroft could stand to do well because this is something that they're accustomed to. This is their home ground. You know, you got to use it, you know, use the familiarity, use the lack of, you know, use the proximity. If, if Foxcroft can kind of come out and do that, they could put Wells into a position where they end up having to say, uh-oh, what do we do next? And if they can get them to that point, Cody's good shock. We've seen it before. There's been many a surprising finish at, um, at uh, the University of Maine come state championship time. And who knows? Foxcroft upsetting well. Well, to most people, they'll call it an upset. But Foxcroft upsetting Wells would be one great story to see in the newspaper on um, on Saturday morning. No doubt about it. And just like you said, it kind of like just like with Portland, you know, is the longer they stay in the game, the the more 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 scary it gets for the team that's favored. And um, you know, that's what uh, that's what kind of Portland and uh, Foxcroft will be trying to do this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. you know, in either case, I think we're looking at some pretty good games for the most part compared to years past, and I'm 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 happy with that. It's better than you know, no, than looking at a potential you know blowouts across the board. Um, we I, I asked for questions on uh, online. I didn't really get a lot. I I don't know if you saw this, Bob. I did get one. I think you're gonna know who it's from. Uh, 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 I won't tell you who it's from right now, but uh, he, he asked if, uh, what do you think the chances are of the North, North uh, sweeping on uh, this weekend? The North sweeping? Yeah. 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 That that was from Blake. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that... Chances of the North. I, I would not bet my house on it. That's put yeah, it that way. I think, yeah, I think you probably know why he's asking because, uh, he's, he's, he's a few games behind you in the, in the, in the pit. Oh, he's trying to make up a few, uh, 
Actually, I'll, I'll I'll reveal my picks right off here before, if if that's okay. Yeah, that's that's if you want to. Yeah. All right. I, all right. I'm taking uh, South Sweep and Maine. Yeah, and then, and uh, I think I think Blake might have might have known that, and he kind of he's trying to play play. play <laughs> okay, with he's 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 going all for broke here. Then. Yeah, he he went. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, went, he went with all, all the all the other teams and elite Elon, but he's four games back, so that's the only choice, right? <laughs> hey, hey, why not? Hey, play big or go home, I guess. That's that's right. I got I got I got the South in a sweep too, with Maine winning a Saturday okay. as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but yeah, but so, but, so Blake, Blake, Blake wanted then, to know uh, that uh, know that, <laughs> so I think you got got your answer right there. But um, anything else you guys want to say about? Maybe just this weekend or high school foot. Maybe we could do this again one last time for the high school football season. Maybe next Monday if you guys are all available and just uh, just to uh, recap it. Uh, you know, if, if we can sometime next week and just to talk about the season. But is there anything you guys want to say at, up to this point? No, I'm just looking forward to some great games this week. Uh, again, last last year though, driving down to Fitzpatrick Stadium. It, again, I'm just somebody that loves Maine high school football, so I'm. I knew going down there that it wasn't going to be good football, but uh, this year, you know, I have a little bit more anticipation, a little bit more hope that um, an expectation that we're going to see, you know, some much better games this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wanted to say um, I have several relatives that live in the Newport and Corinna area. And I know the whole community there is very, very excited. Uh, Had one video posted last week of, you know, some little kid just outside just to listen to the fire trucks and the police cars come into town as a, as a team came back. So um, very excited community there in Nokomis and they're, uh, they're looking forward to the game on Saturday. They, they certainly are. And uh, Andrew, anything you want to say about anything about high school football? You know, going to what, um, to what Chris said about Nokomis, um, you know, you're seeing this sort of, you know, this attention, this community focus on their football team, which, you know, for some of these communities really hasn't been the case as of late. They haven't had much to cheer. So I think it's amazing to, to hear about that. You know, a kid being outside watching the fire trucks of the team going by, what image does not want to, you know, remain with the kid as he goes into high school saying, God, I want to do that one day. And I think, you know, when people talk about the shape that football is in across the country, I think it's moments like those that, you know, can keep, you know, can, can energize the next generation of kids that will look at this, not just as, you know, problems and difficulty, but I think if, you know, the kids look at the positives of it, that's great. Um, Like, you know, like Bob said, last year was a bit of a disappointment with those blowouts. I, you look across the boards at some of these games. Yeah, there's a, there's a potential for blowouts. There always is. But I think when you look at, when you do your tail of the tape against these teams, I think you're going to see a lot more even play than what you have in the year, and you can bank on that. Excellent, excellent. Um, well, thank you all, thank all you guys for joining. As I said, maybe we can wrap things up for the football season before we get into the basketball season, right, Bob? Yeah. Absolutely. Go inside where it's warm. But again, just uh, one more weekend to really enjoy uh, Maine high school football. Uh, Weather forecast Friday night. Going to be kind of chilly up to Maine on Friday, but looking uh, pretty good for Saturday in Portland. Uh, Mostly sunny, high of 43. So November championship Saturday. Uh, You know, we will take that. 
Yeah, yeah. the last you know, last couple of years, you know, we've been blessed down this way in Portland come state championship time with some really good weather. It hasn't been absolutely miserable, except for the tail end of the um, MCI game, or the, um, I'm sorry, the tail end of the, um, oh, the Scout Heating game last the year. Yeah. 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 Um, except for that. Yeah, we've had some really good weather to kind of have down here on a Saturday, you know, entire Saturday. So hopefully, you know, I'm looking forward to another day under the sun. Yeah, it's excellent. And just to remind everybody, um, ABI is not doing the games this year, but NFHS um, has them for a, for a price online. Um, you can get the whole weekend for, I don't know, I think nine ninety five or something like that. So um, so that that's just to let everybody know that maybe that'll maybe that'll increase attendance. We'll, we shall see. Right. But um, anyway, hopefully, hope a good, hopefully for a good weekend. Um, I'll I'll see you all. You'll be up there Friday night, right, Andrew? Absolutely. I've my uh, photographer and I will be up there, and I'm looking forward to meeting everyone. Okay. Uh, all right, and we'll we'll talk to you guys later. Thank you all for joining. Oh, and just a reminder too for Thank the um, Eastern Maine Sports uh, Football Pickup. We're having a little uh, potluck at my place before pregame Friday night, so you guys are all uh, welcome to join in. Excellent. We will we'll do that. Chris and I will. Oh, definitely. I'll be there for yeah. that. All right. Thank you guys. All right. All right. Thanks, Thanks for having Mark. us. Thank you. Thank you.